You're listening to the Inverse Podcast, where we explore how the scriptures can turn our world upside down. Or how it can be weaponized to uphold the status quo. I'm Drew Hart. And I'm Jared McKenna, and this is Inverse. Well, we've got a great conversation uh, today, uh, and anytime that uh, Jared is excited about our guests, then I get excited about our guests, and so I'm really looking forward to just a rich conversation. Today, we've got Byron Smith. He's a Christian ecological ethicist living on unceded Gadigal land with his wife, Jessica, and their two children. Byron has 15 years experience in pastoral ministry with local churches and received honor degrees in theology, philosophy, and literature. His PhD in theological ethics uh, focused on emotional responses to climate change in the context of Christian identity. Byron is author of a number of scholarly articles and book chapters, is a climate consultant for Common Grace, an Australian Christian justice movement, and he has written for a variety of online platforms and has joined in nonviolent direct actions against new coal projects and in support of people seeking asylum. And so, like I said, as you can imagine why Jared is excited uh, when you hear just that little bit of Byron's story, I'm looking forward to getting to know him a little bit better as well. Welcome, Byron, to Inverse Podcasts. Delightful to be here. Byron, um, I was telling Drew before we pressed record that uh, in times like this, you're one of the people that um, I want to talk to. And partly because um, uh, when the headlines are so atrocious, um, you want you want to hear from people who remind you what costly discipleship looks like. Um, maybe it's the first question. We don't usually ask this, but um, how how are you sustaining yourself given that um, what you've been called to speak on? Uh, I'm not sure if you saw this morning that our prime minister said that Australia is um, doing its fair share in the region when it comes to um, our ecological crisis. And this is what he's told uh, Pacific Islander um, leaders in, in this moment. Um, how are you doing and and how where's hope for you at the moment byron like how are you sustaining getting up and putting your body constantly in the place where um you're called to be great question uh with regards to our uh, pacific islander sisters and brothers i think they're quite used to being lied to by uh, australian leadership for many years so i don't um don't doubt that they will see through that comment that I hadn't seen um, from our Prime Minister. Um, the uh, Chief PR Officer of our dirty energy industry, yeah. um, it kind of goes with the role. Um, so much of Australia's uh, wealth and standing is um, grounded on being a repository of uh, a big chunk of the world's uh fossil fuels particularly coal mm. and gas um with 0.3 percent of the world's population we have somewhere between eight or nine percent of the world's uh dirty energy reserves uh and that is one of the fundamental realities that shapes uh australian politics um uh line um so many of the dysfunctions in our society uh and that's just another instance of it how do i keep getting up to face that 
uh, uh, I mean that that it it's been a uh, uh, one of many wounds for me for a long time that um, getting up to um, face what can feel like such a complex, intractable, global, uh, long-term, slow-burn um, issue of profound injustice um, connected to so many other issues of injustice. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, that despair is really a constant uh, temptation um, and in some ways a necessity uh, because I think there's there, there are shallow forms of hope that um, don't do anyone much good really yes. um they're kind of a naive optimism a she'll be right it'll turn out okay uh we're doing our bit um uh and so there's a certain sense in which disillusionment i think is a necessary part of being human certainly a necessary part of uh following the uh, man from uh, nazareth yeah. um because and that's a good thing, right? We want to be disillusioned, and if you don't want to be disillusioned, then it means you want to live in with illusions. You want to live in untruth. Um, oh, wow! So uh, disillusionment is important, uh, though painful, right? Because the illusions that we cling to are the ones that protect us from the sharp edges of reality, um, and reality really does have some pretty sharp edges to it. Um, yeah. uh, and um, uh, where then is hope? Hope isn't a uh, 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 hope. Hope isn't a settled thing that uh, you know you can have in your pocket and um, pull out. Um, as a uh, you know light in the darkness um like uh, uh frodo pulling out the elf light um to to shine in the eyes of the, the spider in a moment of darkness um uh hope is the um the the glow on your face of a coming dawn it comes from outside it's not carried along with you but goes ahead of you um uh always uh both uh, elusive, but the horizon against which all our actions take place. Um, because hope doesn't depend on making predictions about the world. It's not like um, prognostication, um, you know, drawing the lines of uh, tendency, um, but it's an act of moral imagination um, and uh, a commitment that another world is possible. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I would say that another world is inevitable, actually. Um, because that's what uh, unsustainability means, right? It doesn't mean that polar bears are going to uh, cry um, or uh, Greta Thunberg gets upset. Uh, it means the current reality of our world as we know it will not be sustained, cannot be sustained. So another world is inevitable. What that world looks like, though, is genuinely contingent. It's up for grabs. Um, it's not set in stone. We're not um, inevitably driving off a cliff to our doom, but nor are we inevitably... Uh, uh going from uh ups to upper ups to um uh, uh you know into a bright and glorious um future of everything being rosy um the the uh future is open and uh dangerously unsettled and so hope means the conviction 
that uh, God's future remains ahead of us and we can find another step on the path towards it. Um, no matter how uh, dark and twisting the road there. Um, and so hope shouldn't send us back to bed with the comfort that, well, it'll all turn out okay in the end. Mm -hmm. uh, hope is the, um, the, the, the goad in our side, the prick that, that, that's just, that won't let us sit still, um, that says uh, God doesn't let even death end things. Um, and so there is no place, no matter how dark, in which we can re receive even the dark comfort of saying, well, it's over and there's nothing more that can be done. Um, uh, there's a great quote from uh, Rebecca Solnit, um, a US uh, author, uh, who um, writes about uh, uh, hope not being like a, um, a, 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 a lottery ticket that you get to hold in your um, back pocket for uh, a rainy day, but uh, hope is the axe with which you break down the door. Hmm. Uh, Drew, I am so glad I asked. Yes, yeah, beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, it had me, I mean, think, so obviously one of the things we love to do is talk about scripture in this uh, podcast, but it had me thinking about the just the end of Mark as you were talking, right? The what many believe is the original end of Mark, right? And and that kind of hope, right? That is, yeah. you talked about it being elusive and the disillusionment. And I think mm -hmm. um, those are appropriate images, I think, for just our context right now and the challenges that we face and um, the instability of. Our current reality so yeah i really appreciate um just the thoughtfulness and the moral imagination that you invite us into um, but speaking of scripture um one of the things we do love to do is to ground our conversations with a text and so um do you have a text that you'd like to read for us that we can then have conversation around a little bit later uh, around that particular text what have you chosen to read yeah uh a text from the psalms um from the, the almost the very end of the psalms the uh, psalm 148 um which, uh, i will uh read and um as as i read i i want to acknowledge that uh um today i'm uh, uh on gadigal land which is uh, where i've lived for quite some time um and that this is land long beloved by our creator and which has been since time immemorial um, home to the, the Gadigal people, and I'm grateful for their um, millennia of care for this place um, and the stories that they have lived and told uh, and invite others into. Um, and uh, uh, that's the, the context that I'm reading in. Uh, and I think it's it's important to acknowledge that, not least because that's the right thing to do um, mm. often. Uh, but also because of the reading. So let me dive into it. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. 
Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful. Let for the people of Israel who are close to him, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Lauren, when do you first remember encountering the Bible? Uh, that's a tricky question because I, I grew up in a believing family with, you know, uh, Bible verses tacked to the fridge and uh, on the walls and stuff. Um, uh, though even before I could read, uh, I'm sure I was being introduced to scripture, probably particularly through song. And so the oldest one, I I've, was I've, uh, stretching my memory for this, I think the, the oldest one is a, um, a little song that's also from the Psalms, uh, actually. Um, and I remember singing it in the car with mum, and I was probably, it was definitely before school, I was probably maybe three, four years old, I, I suspect. Um, and it's, uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Mm. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Glad in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah quite a catchy tune. Um, it, it's one but, of Noah's uh, favourites as well. He yeah. often wakes up singing that one, Byron. Ah, excellent. Good, good way <laughs> to start the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's good. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, that's uh, certainly a song that I grew up listening to. I also grew up in a uh, uh, Christian family and in a church that would sing that, you know, in a kind of Black Baptist way. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, that's, um, it's really beautiful. And I'm, I'm curious, as you think about the, the scripture over your life, the Bible verses on the fridge, these songs, that are sung over you um i'd love to hear like how you experienced them how you encountered them and in as you recall would you say that you experienced them as liberating as oppressive healing harming or maybe something else so how, how are you experiencing scripture in your life um yeah well going going back to that those early memories i think part of the reason that memory in particular has stuck with me was i remember just being struck by like the the call to the here and now um this is the day um and there's something for us to do today uh, and hey it's good uh rejoice um uh and so as a kid like you know knowing little, little else that's that's just straightforwardly good and so i think the, the earliest memories were actually of scripture as quite um encouraging um and certainly as a, a, a kid I, I spent some periods really quite um as i think many kids do uh like when my own mortality first kind of emerged profoundly into my consciousness um really quite terrified uh of that for a bit and it was scripture that uh was the comfort in the dark a bit like the uh the frodo image I, I used before um uh but it was a comfort of god's presence um uh 
and, and the promise. Um, so I think um, as a kid, that was an experience that was uh, both liberation and a summons or an invitation. Um, uh, when I was, I was, and so I'm uh, very easily uh, distractible. Only recently I've been diagnosed with ADHD, and it's been incredibly helpful, actually, just to realise, oh, right, that's, this is one of the reasons that I have been so distractible, and that, that well, summons back to here. Barred. That's right, yes. It's, uh, <laughs> I think, part of the reason Jared and I uh, connected so well years ago. I, I didn't realise it at the time, and I think he, he I worked out far uh, sooner than I did, um, but graciously let me find that out for myself. Um, uh, but that summons back to the here and now. It's like, uh, you're, you're here, like my, my brain is so prone to just flying off to the left and to the right and way off into the future and into the hypothetical places and uh, imagined worlds. And um, it's like, no, you're, you're, you're here. Uh, it's now. Um, there's a chance to receive and to give here and now. Don't miss it. Um, and so that, that, uh, uh, that, that summons to be present, I think, is... A liberation from the um, pains of kind of uh, regret that you can get stuck in um, over the past, uh, or the, the the bonds of anxiety um, about uh, imagined futures and, and where things are headed. Um, it's like, uh, stay here, stay now. There are things to receive. There are things to good. No, uh, things to give. That that, that uh, um, amidst pain, this is still a good world. Um, and uh, there's a, a chance to admire the good things around us and, and be thankful for them, to, to rejoice. Um, and actually, um, uh, it's interesting, you, you mentioned, uh, Drew, about uh, uh, waking up, um, singing this song upon waking. Sorry, it was Jared. You, you were yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, uh, this, this verse um, from Psalm 118, the, the, um, this is the day, the Lord has made also uh, became quite important for me. Uh, in my late twenties, um, uh, I was um, quite suddenly and unexpectedly um, uh, diagnosed with a uh, serious cancer in my esophagus, uh, trachea and esophagus, um, uh, life-threatening, requiring urgent uh, treatment. Um, and in those first couple of days after the shock of the diagnosis and the kind of um, having everything in life turned upside down and what I was expecting for the future suddenly placed under a, a massive cloud um, and, you know, all the, the things I've been working towards uh, had I been wasting my time. Um, uh, in those first couple of days, uh, my wife and I started um, a practice. I can't remember why or how or who suggested it, but um, we just started this practice uh, that when we woke up, um, we would greet each other. One of us would say one half and the other would reply with the other half. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And it was yeah. a, um, yeah, it was a bit of an anchor to say, however uncertain the future has suddenly become, um, uh, or rather however much the uh, illusion of confidence in the future had just been dispelled, um, because the future is always uncertain. Um, uh, today, here and now, there's a chance to do good, right? We can't change yesterday. Ultimately, tomorrow's troubles are its own, as our Lord tells us. Um, so stay here. Um, and if I can just uh, throw in one more quote here. Um, there's, a, there's a 
a, a musician i really love uh david benjamin blower um he's a um folk musician from the uk um and uh he's got this um song uh called the floor um uh and it 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 speaks to me of this kind of you're, you're here and now um and what what we're doing really matters um and it goes like this um and so we will fall through all our troubled sleep and awaken to panic guilt and to dread and then we will fall through the floor once more and then into tears and laughter instead and wonder and sorrow over everything that is how much it matters in ecstatic clarity and madness and every thread of the dread comedy of foolishness that we really existed and we really did this and nothing can be undone only tended and forgiven mm. uh, and that line in particular nothing can be undone yeah, only tended and forgiven i i, I come back to that often wow um, that's so powerful so powerful mate i'm aware that um for all of us there is an evolution of um if we refer to the bible as the holy scriptures that how it's holy evolves for us that um you, you talked about your experience of your family um facing the reality that this cancer that you had in your 20s you know might be terminal that this might be it and and what that means in terms of the hopes and the plans and all the things that you have in mind um there are certain experiences that change the lens of which we read the scriptures through i i mean we ask every single episode um a variety of the question which is trying to just get it someone's hermeneutics that they hope others will catch on to as they listen right what is it that you wish people would be able to see the scriptures through from your own life experience that has been so liberating for you Yeah, I think I've I've already been um, hinting towards it a bit. Mm. That um, it's it's a, a, a taking seriously of the goodness of creation as we encounter it in the concrete realities of the creatures next to us, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of an abstract way of saying listen to your neighbour actually pay attention <laughs> to yeah. what's going on for them uh right this this is the day that the lord has made um you are put in this particular spot um you you don't need to ascend up into the heavens and comprehend everything um you don't need to solve the deep mysteries of the past but it's how can you uh what what good can you do here and now today and so uh, bringing that to scripture um has been a for me a gradual um iterative process of slowly learning to um pause i was about to say still or quieten but that's probably too a bit too optimistic pause momentarily uh the voice <laughs> that goes on in my head all the time um and my own racing thoughts uh for long enough to actually hear from others, um, uh, which includes listening to scripture, 
uh, Holy Scripture and and uh, listening carefully to the foreign country of the past that we encounter there, um, crossing time and space uh, to uh, hear from authors who are um, varied uh, and concrete and historically located um, uh, and yet whose writings have been treasured uh, by people of faith down through the ages as special, as holy, um, holy writings. Um, but it also means listening to the stories of people around me, particularly the kind of um, voices that um, get heard a bit less, the voices that mm -hmm. get suppressed, the voices that um, get spoken over. Um, uh, so part of actually um, my story of having cancer, um, the, the first symptom that led into the, the whole process of diagnosis and discovery was that overnight I just lost my voice uh, entirely mm. uh, from from full voice to nothing. Um, and it, it turned out that was because a tumour was compressing the nerve that um, uh, controls one of my vocal cords, so I ended up with a paralysed vocal cord. Uh, but, you know, and that took months. Byron, to if I could interrupt, Drew, you won't know this, but um, that would be devastating for anyone. But Byron actually has a beautiful baritone singing voice mm, as well like so um, double impact in terms of yeah. losing your wow yeah um yeah and i was i was probably the um uh, uh you know i as you're probably discovering i can just talk and talk in the right context um and and so it was kind of an enforced silence for me yeah um and the the uh um yeah, the, the great irony was I was actually down like just that weekend. I was due to preach, um, and uh, the passage that I was going to be preaching on um, was Luke one, and Zechariah uh, yeah. losing his voice. <laughs> That's what I was just and, thinking of when you started. Uh, so and and yeah, anyway, there's, there's a whole story there, but that was that was uh, uh, yeah, lo losing my voice actually uh, in God's grace uh, and and a couple of years of um, speech therapy before. Uh, you, you know, I was able to, to, to fly with one wing, uh, as I currently do with just one vocal cord. Um, uh, I think also led into a uh, having to spend more time listening, mm. um, and uh, that's that's a good thing. Um, and and so, uh, recognizing the reality of the goodness of creation as we find it in our neighbor, um, also make space for recognizing the reality of genuine hurt genuine pain genuine injustice um and uh, uh you know uh, jared you're asking about the evolution the understanding of scripture um uh that first encounter with um the today's the uh, this is the day the lord has made um like maybe one of the downsides of that as kind of a foundational experience is potentially having a bit of a shallow grasp on evil um and uh, uh uh you know you can kind of have a shallow optimism um and a sense that um you know god's got this uh divine providence means this is the best of all possible worlds and all we need to do is open our eyes and see it um you know there's that that picture of the god's weaving this amazing tapestry and it's going to be beautiful even if some of the threads are currently dark um and that was certainly part of the spiritual legacy that i received in my youth the church that i grew up at um which did kind of really soft pedal uh injustice uh and the reality of injustice i think um uh and so part of shutting up uh, for a while and listening um to voices of uh people 
that um, uh, might not get heard so much uh, was realizing, yeah, the, the deep realities of injustice, that it's not just occasional here and there, um, but deep systems of uh, pain and oppression and hurt um, and uh, unfairness and uh uh so i think it's it's only a a deep commitment to the fundamental goodness of creation that can then open the space for the recognition of genuine evil mm. Mm. beautiful well byron um It'd be a privilege to have you kind of guide us through Psalms 148 with precisely with that commitment to creation, that posture of what you've learned through listening uh, to the suffering of your neighbors and others, the locatedness of your own story, as well as where Psalms 148 wants to maybe locate us as well. So would you uh, maybe guide us into conversation around that text? Yeah. So um, Psalm, Psalm 148 uh, is uh, significant for me uh, for many reasons. Um, it's, uh, it, it actually became the, um, the central text I was uh, interacting with in the final chapter of my PhD thesis, where I was um, uh, writing a whole thesis about our emotional uh, responses to the planetary diagnosis um, uh, of uh, climate disruption and the uh, enormous uh, intergenerational, um, international, uh, interspecies uh, injustice um, that are those who are most responsible for causing the issue are the uh, ones least affected by it uh, on average. Um, and I, I ended here um, because I think there's something really quite profound about the, um, uh, the, the, the reframing of our relationship um as creatures that that um this this psalm kind of really brings to the fore um the psalm 148 is a uh, a song of praise to the creator from all creatures um it's it's repetitive and uh symbolically it's it's comprehensive um but it's like a roll call for a universal choir summoning <laughs> all of creation yeah. to praise the God of Israel, Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first six verses begin in the heavens, naming heavenly beings and, and bodies and inviting each of them into praise for the Creator. Um, you know, praise the Lord, the heavens and the heights and the angels and the, the, the hosts, you know, the army uh, of, of heavens and the sun and the moon and the stars. Um, uh, and in the next six verses, seven to 12, call forth an answering song from the earth moving from the distant creatures, um, you know, the sea monsters, in that beautiful uh, phrase, and, and the deeps, yeah. um, that, that, uh, the, the terrifying depths of the ocean that uh, to the ancient Near East were just a yeah. baffling, chaotic mystery um, and, and full of fear. Uh, and yet even from there, the creator is to be praised, even from those most terrifying of creatures, the sea monsters. Um, uh, and then, the, the, you know, the... the um powerful weather fire and hail and snow and frost and wind um and the mountains uh, and the hills um and we're gradually getting closer to humans and human experience uh fruit trees and cedars um and then we get into 
uh, you know, animals, um, starting with the wild animals and then getting closer again. Um, uh, and then we get to people and um, uh, kind of getting ever more proximate to uh, the human perspective and, and culminating in a call for humanity, great and small, to join the collective chorus. Um, and, uh, uh, and and so the, there's there's kind of a a movement from the broadest you can get uh, right down to uh, much more of our everyday uh, experience. Um, so it's symbolically intended, I think, to meant to be uh, comprehensive, all of creation here. Um, and then the final pair of verses are a bit of a coda, shifting from a, a direct call to praise into um, a bit of a, a comment and, and uh, explanation. And I think the Psalms original readers um, would have also been uh, performing this uh, in cultic celebrations, you know, actually singing it or saying it. Um, and it's it's uh, it's almost like they're, they're welcoming their fellow creatures into that privilege of communicating the creator's goodness. Um, or maybe actually they're welcoming one another into a privilege that the creatures are already doing. Um, because it's uh, this psalm's written by and for humans, and yet it, it places humanity in a particular relationship to both God and other creatures. Um, and uh, uh, humans come last. You know, it's like uh, we we get to join in with what's already happening. Um, and so there's a decentering that happens in this psalm that I think is is uh, really very um, important. Uh, as a decentering is not all about us. Um, and it's it's very easy to get caught up just in my little sphere, my perspective. Um, this is an invitation to uh, the reverse movement, to, to look up from my own shoes and my own situation and uh, see my neighbour and then to look a bit further and see those neighbours who might be a bit less proximate. Um, uh, and, and there's a, like an expanding horizon of a moral community, ex expanding horizon of concern and um, uh, attention. Um, it's an invitation in this psalm for that expanding circle to expand beyond just humans, um, that uh, we are creatures, like all creatures, called into praise of the Creator. Um, and so one of the reasons I love this psalm is that it shifts what our basic relationship to other creatures is, right? Because, uh, you know, I read and write a lot of uh, what's called eco-theology um, or theology about creation and um uh, often there's a lot of discussion um, about the opening chapters of Genesis, and I mean, they're rich passages, complex in their own right. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people get hung up on uh, the, the reference to dominion um, in those opening chapters. Um, and uh, 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 historically, a lot of the discussion about um, human relations to the bits of creation that are not human has uh, been very um, asymmetrical, emphasising how different humans are. Um, and the privileges that uh, humans have, or the uh, distinctives um, that we bear. Uh, but this this psalm isn't about distinction. It doesn't deny distinctions, but it's not about distinctions. It's actually about what's common to all creatures. Uh, um, and here we are placed as members of a common choir. Our relationship to other creatures is co-worshippers. And um, <clears throat> uh, I love that. Um, because it's it's like um, we're we're learning who we are. We are a creature amongst creatures. We are part of a, a community of life, and even more broadly, a community of creation. Um, and our fundamental orientation 
is praise. Mm. Is is uh, uh, praise, which which combines, I think, um, two things: uh, admiration, right? Just saying, "Wow, that's cool, that's good." Uh, with gratitude, it's good, and it's from God. It's a gift. All is gift. Um, and uh, uh, so, in praise, the creature is. Um, it's like we we wake up to our own being as a gift. And we also discover the crucial, crucially task of giving ourselves back in divine service. Um, and uh, so I think that uh, praise is, is uh, the activity that's, that's kind of most natural, most central um, to us uh, as creatures. Uh, and different creatures are going to do their praise in different ways, uh, you know, and is this metaphorical? How are the, how are the mountains praising God? Uh, you know, we, by being a mountain is the short answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. But for us, what does it mean? It means uh, that th this is the foundation from which so many other things will flow, that we are a good gift placed in a good world um, that exists before us and not just for us, um, but to be delighted in, admired, uh, and, and for us to seek some kind of cooperative uh, um, sharing with our neighbours in praising the Creator. Um, now, this can all seem very abstract in a world of um, bombs and uh, starvation um, and, and uh, 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 climate records tumbling um, and uh, plutocrats uh, flexing their muscles and um, anxieties about, um, you know, the latest technological innovation and whether it will save us or um, just add another chain to our slavery. Um, hmm. uh, but I think having this kind of perspective in place at the, the centre of our understanding of ourself um, can be quite um, quietly revolutionary um, because it's telling a different story about who we are, what we're for, what life is about, um, it's not a story that's measured in um, dollars and cents or in hours worked and products delivered um, uh, or in votes or in, um, you know, uh, bullets. Um, it's, it's a very different kind of story. Um, yeah. And... Uh, it's, you know, there's, there's plenty more that needs to be said. This is hardly a, a complete biblical picture of our relationship to other creatures, let alone our relationship to one another. Um, but I think there's there's something really um, beautiful in this uh, psalm. It's, it's a, a picture of shared receptivity, of shared uh, doxology, and of, of shared solidarity. Yeah. So we, we receive everything from God. We uh, praise God uh, for those gifts uh, and we join 
we're, we're, we're uh, more fundamental than, than stewardship or dominion or, or, or any distinction between us and others is solidarity that uh, we join together in praising God. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. So as, um, over the past, maybe I'd say 10 years been on a journey of, we could say, uh, resituating my own place in creation right mm -hmm. um and it's interesting so as a black american like i've long had an understanding that <clears throat> that uh, i'm a part of a plundered people right right a people that were plundered um mm -hmm. but also simultaneously as i was raised like also had internalized ways that did not have any intimacy with the rest of creation, God's creatures around me. Um, and, and I think over the past decade, this move, which I think is really powerful here that you're pointing us to in Psalms 148 is, I mean, because, so there's the, the co-worshippers, this, co this choir that we are a part of. Um, and if we can see that sacred gift it also like turned me to like, oh, I'm not just a plundered people, but like I'm also part of the chorus of plundering, right? <laughs> also, mm -hmm. and so you could see on both ends, right, the the loss of orientation around um, the the who we are and the kind of story that we're living into, and then Psalms 148 is a really powerful uh, lens into a different way of seeing, right, us and creatures um, that in some ways also decentralize, even oppressed people sometimes can need a little decentralizing to share our intimacy with the rest of the chorus of creation as well. And so I really mm. um, love this imagery and um, the way it invites us to just keep reorienting ourselves um, back again into co-worshippers and to seeing the good gift and good worlds that we are part of. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's important to say that it's it, it's precisely the goodness of creation that's the backdrop against which the horrors of uh, colonialism um, and and mm -hmm. and slavery and all the crimes of history um, are revealed to be so evil. Right. Right. Yes. Otherwise, they're just like one of those things how the world works um yeah. you know the laws of nature playing out uh or yeah. something it, it's actually the, the the picture of the um possibility of harmony that makes disharmony so painful right. so yes um, yep it's it's the the um <clears throat> uh it's only there's, there's a quote from moltman um that i'm not going to misremember but it's it's something like um uh it's only when the prisoner um first dreams of freedom that the chains begin to hurt mm. um right if you don't know anything different then you um just you have to reconcile yourself to whatever difficult situation you're in yeah um so that, that that's why the the affirmation of the fundamental goodness of creation um uh is is a necessary decentering for all of us but it's also a a, a, a kind of throws us back into the particularities of history 
um, and, and the painful um, uh, contexts of today and the here and the now um, with the recognition that this can be different. It doesn't have to be this way. Right. Um, and so how much more of a, a wild offence is it that these injustices continue? Yeah. In this good world to our yeah. good neighbours uh, who are to be our co-worshippers and yet our, our uh, ability to sing in harmony with them is so compromised by the, uh, uh, you know, in, in insert whichever of the world's grievous injustices we're, we're focused on uh, at the moment, you know, like yeah. these, these things are part of the reason why they are so awful is the, um, uh, uh, we, we can't hear the song anymore. Yes, that's right. That's good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Byron, I'm, uh, I'm so aware that the, the muting of the other than human parts of creation means that there, we lose that litmus test around the goodness of what is. Um, and even, I wonder if I can find um, this poem that just recently, um, a poem for, from a, a Palestinian um, Christian about um, uh, Mawad Makul, and apologies if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. There's a line in his poem that um, I quoted and have been thinking about almost a daily basis this last month, you know, where over 10,000 people have been killed and it's uh, over 4,600 children now, 27,000 people injured with 1.6 million refugees displaced from um, what wasn't for a lot of people in Gaza, even their homes, right? Like it, it was yeah. another refugee camp. Like they've been... Yeah. And these, these words um, come to mind as listening to you drew share in light of what byron was sharing um the poet writes in order to write poetry that isn't political i need to hear the birds mm. he goes on to say and in order to hear the birds the warplanes must be silent mm. yeah that's good and mm. I, I wonder if some of the tragedy of um where some people have landed um and you, you quoted um uh, that song byron about people falling and then falling again yeah and i wonder for some of our listeners if the encouragement needs to be to to fall again and i think of merton's writing about like falling you have a sledgehammer and in prayer we, we hit the floor on which we stand and that yeah. floor collapses and we fall again and then we pick up the sledgehammer again and we hit the floor on which we stand and in prayer that floor that we think is our base falls away and we fall uh, again that um some people have come out of um religious contexts where they've heard things that um have been <laughs> less than helpful harmful mm. um but where they've landed is in a place that um uh, I think of so many of the sections of the New Age bookstore where um, there is no radical critique of injustice. Instead, there is a call to um, submerge yourself into um, you two are divine. 
um, and that's where the story stops. And so um, I joke with my kids, it's the Lion King theology. It's like the circle of life and it's it's the lions who sing that song because yes. if you're at the top of the food chain, it, it's, it's an easy song to sing. But if you're yeah. constantly being served up on somebody's plate, um, you either have to sing the song of lions and internalise that and alienate yourself from the goodness that Drew was talking about. Um, mm. uh, and, and part of the like introjection of the oppression in our own souls that we need to leave behind is seeing ourselves merely as somebody else's meal. Um, as part of like a, a story where there's a food chain where, where we're not at the top. All the desires to simply be at the top of the food chain that yeah. replaces. Yeah. Um, but what I, what I hear you bringing us to in this psalm is actually a, a call to allow that ache of the chains to be felt so that we actually get on with the business of freedom and the significance that, um, uh, and I mean, maybe particularly Byron, that there, I'd love to hear you speak to um, verse 14, where it goes from this kind of um, uh, e ecological cosmic picture and it talks specifically about um praise the lord uh, all his saints of israel uh, the people close to his heart i'm aware that that means certain things to certain people at this time of history why why palestinian lives aren't as precious as israeli lives but would you locate that in the story of what this means to this psalm and what it means that these people worship a God who hears the cries of the oppressed? Yeah. Uh, so it's really important to remember that uh, almost the entirety of Scripture is not written by the lions. Um, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's written from underneath. It, it's written by people who were occupied uh, uh, or were um, uh, exiled and displaced. Um, and... Uh, it, it, it's actually this is one of the reasons one of many reasons why it's important that we're listening to scripture um uh and and so the the affirmation of israel as close to the heart of yahweh uh is specific to israel and is also a, a picture of the creator's uh, closeness to all who are humbled, to all who are yeah. oppressed, um, to all who feel small and preyed upon, um, that uh, uh, the creator God isn't simply the high and lofty one, but the one who also dwells with the brokenhearted and the lowly. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we see that supremely in the image of God amongst us, uh, Jesus, uh, who didn't arrive in a palace and didn't come uh, as a conquering hero and didn't come to receive the privileges um, that were due, uh, but came as a servant, as a slave, and uh, came and was misunderstood, uh, came and was ultimately executed unjustly by an overwhelmingly powerful 
military force with the collusion of uh, self-serving religious leaders. Um, and that's the revealing of the heart, the beating heart of the creator. This is where the creator chooses to dwell, um, not in the palace, not in the boardroom, um, not in the uh, uh, general's command uh, bunker, mm -hmm. uh, but amidst the rubble, um, in the uh, broken hospital room with the dying patient, mm -hmm. um, in the uh, the the uh, cries of the small and ignored for justice um, in their millions uh, around the world um, and in, in your life, uh, wherever you are at and are experiencing a taste of the rubble, um, that is where the creator dwells. Um, so, uh, this is this is what um it is to acknowledge the goodness of creation it's not a soporific that uh those of us who are comfortable and doing well for ourselves and uh um on top of the pile can can uh, feel justified in um ignoring the demands of justice and um uh, discounting the uh, uh stories of those who are hurting by saying no the world is good um uh that, that belief that the world is fundamentally just already, um, uh, psychologists call it a just world um, belief or the, the just world hypothesis, um, is one of the most corrosive um, yeah. convictions for genuine faith, uh, I think. Um, and I, I love that image you used of the sledgehammer of prayer needing to smash through the ground on which we thought yeah. we were stable um, and, and have our uh, sense of perspective turned upside down because um uh i think if if the world is already just then actually the christian good news it dissolves into um a fairly boring story about um uh uh you know you just need to learn this one trick um to realize god's <laughs> in control and um uh, life is actually already good and uh if only you'll realize it then uh hey um uh, the, the evil and, and suffering turn out to ultimately be kind of illusory or marginal. Um, Which is uh, what sovereignty means for so many Christians, right? It's what providence yeah. means for so many Christians. Yeah. Um, talk of God is in control yeah. means for so many Christians. Yeah, control is not a biblical word. <laughs> um, and and uh, the picture of control and the picture of sovereignty that I think a lot of popular piety draws upon is, is really like a mechanistic um, you push the button and the machine does what you say. Um, and if, if God is just the mechanic who has made a, uh, a machine, then then God's a bit of a monster. Um, yeah. uh, the picture of sovereignty that uh, ultimately, theologically, the picture of sovereignty you get in the Bible is, again, Jesus. This is what it looks like to rule. Uh, it, it means to come amongst as a brother um in humility and walk alongside the uh suffering uh in their pain um and entering into the depths of the darkest places um uh being willing to be misunderstood to tell the truth and get punished for it um to 
disillusion people um, and invite them into the reality of the world as it actually is, uh, even if they hate you for it. Um, and uh, that's that's what real authority, what real sovereignty means. That's that's that God exercises sovereignty in speaking the truth, in walking in solidarity with the suffering, um, and in refusing to allow even death to be ultimately determinative, determinative of what is good. Because um, death, death is the tyrant's um, final weapon, right? Like, uh, ultimately, those who wield power do so because if you go against what they want, they can kill you. Yep. That's, that's what uh, the residents of Gaza have, have not long known. And uh, again, uh, that's being demonstrated. Um, uh, but it's what all bullies have ultimately relied on in the end. That, that was true in Jesus' day um, with, uh, at, at the end of the, the Roman gladius. Um, uh, and yet, if, if we follow a God who raises the dead, um, then the um, not even death is uh, ultimately determin determinative of what is good or meaningful. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the rejection of just world um, theory is an important part. It was certainly an important part of my own development and, and um, learning, because uh, that's, that's the picture that I grew up with um, as kind of the default um, setting and uh, learning that that's not actually the case, that the world is actually far darker and yet far more beautiful. Um, is uh that's that's real liberation mm -hmm. yeah. or a, a necessary step towards it a necessary step right yeah i think it, it's interesting just the last couple of weeks with my students we've been having conversations which maybe it's been a theme for this semester but just um it seems like it resonated with my students this semester more than in other semesters but just when i talked about the idea which we get certainly Jeremiah says it clearly, but it's in other places as well. That that the whisk, the wicked prosper, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and I think for them this semester, I don't know if I said it differently than I normally do, but um, it was it it seemed to reorient their understanding of how the world works, right? A rejection of because most of my students are coming from middle to upper class, white American conservative evangelicalism, um, where they have, they've been taught to have deep faith in the social order as it is, right? Yes. Yeah. And the way that it's structured um, and that, yeah, there's some tweaks, there's some sin mixed in there, here and there, but generally, you know, the social order is good. And I think that, um, I don't know, Again, it's something we talk about every year, but um, something cracked a little bit more, I think, for some of the students this semester. Mm. But I do think that balance then that, you know, how can we hear suffering speak and also hear the goodness of creation is a good, healthy um, walk, I guess. Um, yeah. I just really appreciate mm. that. Mm. Yeah. Well, Aaron, yeah. Um, you're a wonderful dad. 
and off air, Drew and I often talk about parenting and like mm -hmm. what it is to um, uh, train up our kids in ways that um, they they love God and that, that being displayed in ways to love their neighbours, all their neighbours, not just uh, um, the human ones. Um, when you think about parenting and um, just what I was about to say, just what just world theory, just world uh, Fro theory. Freudian slip, <laughs> maybe they're related. Yeah, um, I think they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, and think about just world theory. How <coughs> how are you as a dad? How are you and Jess as parents? Um, how do we expose our kids to the realities that the world isn't fair? Um, uh, and not bubble wrap them without also traumatizing them. Yeah. Um, or, um, yeah, w would you speak a, a, a little bit to that? Yeah. Um, uh, trauma, um, the, the attempt to completely avoid trauma in life um is uh is, is one of those illusions that needs to be dispelled it's it's not possible and the attempt to do so is likely to just be making life harder for others in all kinds of ways now that said um there is such a thing as age-appropriate learning and um uh the uh, ability to cope with um pain and difficulty uh, is something that we grow into. Um, and so, you know, it, it's not like I think it's, uh, I, I don't necessarily think it's responsible to uh, like dump everything on a child at a point where their ability to process it is um, still uh, developing. Mm. Um, so uh, my, my approach is really guided by um, uh, there are three things that I have been constantly praying for my children um, and uh, have kind of guided the, the kind of life that I um, try to uh, model for them and encourage them into. Um, uh, three, three virtues that I want them to focus on cultivating. Um, curiosity, kindness, and courage. Mm um and uh, uh each of these is important curiosity as a genuine openness to the way the world really is uh you know it's part of that listening to the stories of the neighbor um paying close attention to the here and the now and and the uh including the patterns and and uh uh precedents and uh, trends that have led us here um uh, a, a real openness to the world as it is not just how i think it ought to be and a, a willingness to have our current understandings overturned um, and deepened. Uh, kindness is is that solidarity I was talking about before. It's it's the seeing the self in the other, uh, seeing ourselves as part of the one family, um, as kin, um, uh, as more alike than different, that we, we always share more in common than um, what might divide us. Um, uh, and then courage because if we actually treat people as kin and are curious enough to learn that uh, uh, 
everywhere those kinship relationships are, are, are broken and and uh uh and that's going to lead to a lot of pain and potentially opposition so th with those three kind of guiding uh goals um i think i just try to take opportunities as they come um beginning with my kids own life and their their own kind of uh little experiences of um regret or hurt or uh anxiety um uh you know in reflecting about their days um and uh just helping them reflect a little bit on the patterns that might have led into a fight with a friend or a um uh an anxiousness that they're feeling um and exploring it gently with them um uh always seeking to connect it to um uh bigger patterns and and uh, pictures so i don't know that i have like a you know here's my 12-step program to raise my kids as little um well whatever um little human beings um uh <laughs> it, it's 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 much more responsive i guess uh than that ad hoc um and uh yeah, the, the 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 world keeps changing, has always changed, keeps changing, and the pace of change is accelerating. And so, what um, uh, what is true today may no longer be true by the time they are adults. Um, and so, I guess I'm I'm very aware that I'm I'm less teaching them um, specific um, concepts and more stances um mm. uh, yeah well so i don't know what their experience of the world is going to be in years and decades to come but i want to be there for them and to um give them the uh you know back to you know where we started with this is the day that the lord has made um let us rejoice and be glad in it it's there's a a confidence in the goodness of creation and the goodness of the creator um which isn't a confidence that bad things don't happen or that hurt isn't gonna happen but that goodness is worth uh getting hurt for yeah wow mm. yeah that's good yeah. So rather than focusing on the hurt, I, I want uh, I, I want them to understand that 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 goodness is precious, precious enough to yeah um, struggle for. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. That might be a bit too abstract. No, it's brilliant. R really brilliant, Byron, and. Uh, these are the kind of questions that our, our q a time um open up and so that's that's probably time to to thank you and say thanks for being so generous we'll we'll um uh press pause for the stuff that will go on the um podcast um but before we do i'm just so thankful mate for you for our friendship for your voice um when the world um or when the mess of the world is feeling really pressing on me you're one of the people that i want to talk to and it's been 
a real joy to share your voice with others. Um, if people want to follow your work uh, or, or stay up to date with what you're doing, what's the best way for people to actually kind of track with what's going on for you? Because I know uh, you're kind of being elusive in this season. Like that used to be a lot easier. So yeah. for, for those of us who um, are wanting to um, stay afoot, how, how can we do that? Um, yeah, I, that's uh, uh, at, at different times. I've been uh, focused on kind of different um, uh, spaces. And uh, as Jared kind of uh, implied, I'm kind of between spaces at the moment, working on some new things. Um, um, I don't know what the best answer that is. Um, <clears throat> it's um, uh, uh, well, in, in, I, I, I think we'll that's some... sorry. Say I was again. just going to say maybe we'll say um, stay tuned, and next time next time you're on, you can actually share. Yeah, and and I think actually here's what I'll say instead. Um, uh, uh, some of the major spaces that people are. Um, uh, focused on, you know, the, the big social media um, locations, um, uh, you know, more and more, I think uh, people are realising just how um, uh, difficult those spaces are and the uh, extent of um, control and compromise that comes with being um, part of a billionaire owned and run um, thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, rather than encouraging people to follow me, I encourage people to seek out um, places that exist online and offline that aren't run by billionaires because mm -hmm. um, they exist. Um, and they're some of the spaces that I've been spending a bit more time in. Um, uh, de decentralized networks that um, don't, uh, 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 yeah, that aren't being run for profit, um, yeah. that seek to live out logics other than the logic of uh, the market. Yeah, um, that's good. And uh, whether that's a local organizational community whether it's uh, places online like that um find find your some of your your actual neighbors and uh, yeah. uh listen to them that's more important than listening to me the inverse podcast is proudly supported by you the listener and if you want to join the revolutionaries who are helping us have conversations about how this ancient text can still turn the world upside down why don't you head over to patreon.com 